Welcome to the Atheist Experience. Uh, still getting the theme song. Right. Like, hey, we got two theme songs. I don't know how that came across on the podcast. Uh, it's always fun to be confused on the air and not be sure if the audience is catching the same thing. But hi, I'm Russell Glasser. This is the Atheist Experience. With me today is Phil Sessions. How are you? I'm doing well. How's everyone out there? Well, how are you? So you're the only one that can I'm, actually respond. I'm good. Uh... We had uh, uh, our guest and also, I guess I may as well mention, the ACA's new financial advisor on the air last uh, week, uh, Phil Session. Uh, Phil. <laughs> the other Phil! <laughs> what did I say? just say? Phil Ferguson. We just all look the same. Uh, really nice guy. <laughs> I listened to the show and, uh, and uh, you know, it's always fun to hear a new voice. Uh, and uh, so, but it's good to be back. I don't think I've hosted in a few weeks at least. So, uh, hi everybody. Today is March 26, 2017. We're a live call in the internet based atheist TV show broadcasting from Austin, Texas, dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. You can catch us every Sunday live on YouTube or Ustream.tv. The official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist-experience.com. And you can provide feedback for the show by going to freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP. You can email us at tv at atheist-community.org. Or you can join the Atheist Experience official discussion group on Facebook. And if you enjoy this show, then you should definitely also listen to The Nonprofits, which airs on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. You can find links from the Atheist Experience website, and the next Nonprofits will be recorded, mm, not this week, but uh, whenever, next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, first, yes. first Wednesday of April, of April whenever yeah. that is. Um, and uh, as always, if you are in Austin and uh, would like to join the cast and crew, you can come along to Star of India at 2900 West Anderson Lane. We'll be arriving around 6.15 p.m. or so. And what's on your mind today? <laughs> Just transition right there. <laughs> what? So just transition right there. Speaking of nonprofits. Yeah, I don't believe in segues. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> But um, how is uh, Jeff and Dennis Lubego? I haven't listened to the uh, nonprofits in a while, but how are they? Uh, they're, I, I mean, they are fun as always. That's cool. Um, I, I really enjoy getting to do both shows. And by the way, uh, you'd be welcome anytime you wanted to show up. Uh, and I've, I've never actually asked you to fill in, um, but uh we have uh, let's see last week i was away on vacation so uh jeff's uh so so uh manda who has been on the show a couple of times oh, okay. before uh filled in for us and uh yeah, we get we've been getting pretty good feedback about her so uh it's cool. she's been with the aca for many many years mm. uh oh, one day i might just do that yeah. uh but um 
Let me see. There was a few things I, I want to touch. But you're, uh, oh, but sorry, you're not nearby most of the time. No, so it would be I, something that I would have to uh, right. uh, plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Versus okay. taking that hour trip uh, <laughs> for a fill-in. But uh, so yesterday, the ACA, we had our uh, wheelchair ramp mm. that we built uh, here, and <clears> it was on the southern side of uh, the central part of Austin. So, Are you guys uh, doing that pretty much weekly? Uh, um, that's every fourth Saturday for the ah, ACA. Okay. Uh, down I also do it uh, down in San Antonio. That's on the second Saturdays usually right. in San Antonio. And for the ACA, it's the fourth Saturday. So we had some new faces Yeah, uh, that actually showed us some uh, people that have never built ramps before ever. So they were just kind of uh, standing around trying to figure out how to do things. But they got into the groove. It was uh, pretty well done, honestly, and the weather was awesome. And if anyone's bewildered about why we bring this up on the show, this is part of, I mean, you know, we uh, reach out to both people who are listening internationally and also local Austin people, which is why oh, we yeah. keep plugging dinner. And this is one <laughs> of the sort of uh, philanthropic uh, activities that the ACA takes part in, and it's mostly, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with the full history of the wheelchair uh, and ramp projects, but uh, I, I feel like you've been spearheading it a lot. Is that right? Yeah. Um, we started, I started in January 2006 mm-hmm. in San Antonio uh, doing it down there. And I think I brought it to the ACA in May or June of 2016. Mm. And we've been doing it every fourth Saturday for the most part since then. So it's been a Wonderful experience. And, and you can always use local volunteers, am I right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, that that's, goes into the next, <laughs> the next part I was going to go into. As uh, my usual case when I'm on the show, I'll announce uh, different volunteer things that are coming up. So uh, the next volunteer thing is actually coming next Sunday, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. It'll be uh, cleaning up the one of our adopted streets in Austin. We have two streets uh, two sections of streets in Austin that the ACA has adopted through the Keep Austin Beautiful program. And so we'll be cleaning our north location, which is not too far from this building, as a matter of fact. Um, so it's uh, we'll start at 7, 7901 Burnett. So it's we started Burnett and Anderson Lane, and we clean about a half mile down Burnett, turn around at Olin Street, and then come right back. So that's our half-mile stretch, and then we'll take a picture in front of our Atheist Community of Austin sign, which is spelled correctly. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Up there now. Uh, so that'll be uh, next right. Sunday. Wait, let me uh, guess. Did it used to be say atheist? That's exactly what. That's what everybody screws up. And it was it was on there for even other other atheists. But yeah, so that'll be going on next Sunday, and also. Uh, coming up on, in April, later on in April, of course, the fourth Saturday of April will be the next Texas Ramps uh, project. So uh, if you want information about how to join in for these or um, just information about what the program is about and what you can expect to see from it, you can visit um, either our website. I post the information on there, our meetup page, or Facebook. Um, all have events that have details letting you know how you can get involved in what you can expect and ask questions if you Is have any Is that the concerns. Atheist Community of Austin Facebook group? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, if you're local, you should join that as well as sure, the Atheist sure. Experience official discussion group. <laughs> if you're not local, maybe you don't want to clutter up the uh, the actual uh, organization <laughs> group because it might have a lot of stuff you're not interested in. But, I mean, join all you want. There's some good information uh, going along in there. But, yeah, so... Uh, that's coming up the fourth Saturday of April, and uh, in May, uh, on May 13th, and let me back up a little bit. In March, we had our first food bank 
thing for the ACA where we actually, uh, it was a, a group of six of us, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. total went out to the Central Texas Food Bank here in Austin, and it was it was a blast. It, it was just, it was very wonderful. They put on, like, loud music, so you kind of, you're supposed to be getting pumped as you're you know, going doing your work in the, uh, in the warehouse side of things, and so that was fun. So I wanted to schedule another time because the volunteers that came out uh, really enjoyed it, and we also had a family that came out with uh, their young child, as well, because mm-hmm. it's open to ages eight year old and up. So, uh, if there are any families in the local area, you can actually bring them to that uh, event, and they can join in. They, I think, they had the kids on the chip and crackers aisle, like packing boxes okay. um, on that side. So that'll be March thirteenth, and like I said, all this information. Uh, look on any one of our portals, the event side of it, at the very least, on the uh, ACA Facebook or Meetup page, and online for all that information. And lastly. Uh, at the end of April, April 30th, uh, the Austin Atheist Helping the Homeless uh, will be doing another giveaway for uh, folks in the downtown area. That's at 7th Street and I-35, and right here in downtown Austin, as a matter of fact. Um, so if you want any information about that, look us up on uh, Facebook, or you can visit the Austin Atheist Helping the Homeless website at austinahh.org to get more information to see how you can uh, help out on that side. So... Um, and I think the only other thing that I had was the uh, United Coalition of Reason app uh, mm-hmm. that is a, a very new thing. Uh, if those that don't know, this past week, I believe it was this past week, the United Coalition of Reason uh, released a new app. And this app actually helps people to find out events uh, help, uh, starting from secular organizations in your particular area. So if you look up Austin, for example, uh, then it'll show things like uh, the Austin Oasis uh, meetings that are happening now and the um, the cleanups, things of that sort. So Dallas-Fort Worth, which is so many activities going on in Dallas-Fort Worth and Houston area, stuff like that. So if you're a secular, secular organization and your information is not on the UCOR app, you can actually contact them and provide them some information so they can incorporate your schedule. So if you're a smaller operation and or you're just trying to uh, kind of put yourself out there, trying to get a new avenue for other people to find you just in general, then you can submit your information there. And for those that are interested of uh, trying to find someone, you know, trying to have some fellowship or uh, trying to have someone that you can just meet it with, you know, at a bar or have a drink or a family event uh, with your area that's secularly minded, then you may want to go ahead and try to download it and see if they have your area on there and if there's any organizations that you may not have been aware of in your area. So right. uh, it's because pretty interesting. we're not just about rowdy arguments with Christians. <laughs> we're also about bringing people together. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, wherever you are, uh, yeah, so that's know, look, the... look out for uh, hang, uh, opportunities to hang out with fellow atheists because, believe it or not, it's fun. <laughs> I enjoy myself. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's all for me. So okay, <laughs> I I felt like mentioning briefly that I was uh, taking a vacation in Orlando with uh, with a bunch of my family members last mm. week while Phil and Tracy were uh, doing a bang up job on the show. Um, well, the other Phil, the other the Phil, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you know I I have a fondness for the. <laughs> For the glitz and cheesy tourist stuff of, you, you know, the whole Disney package. Uh, although, I gotta say, this is this, so we were back there for the first time in five years after we had a honeymoon there. Um, and 
I just want to say this is the second time I've gone and noticed the all the signs for the Holy Land experience, which is which is its own non Disney theme park. And really? you know, as much as I don't really want to give publicity to something like that, I have to admit. <laughs> One of these years, I'd really like to check that out and give a report because I've never heard of that place. No, it's a it's a full on like simulated. I mean, I don't know how well it compares to. I mean, at Disney, you can like see stunt shows with with Indiana Jones actors and and do virtual (laughs) Star Wars rides. And Universal has that amazing Harry Potter Potter, stuff. Right? Yeah, it looks amazing. I don't know how the Holy Land experience compares. <laughs> um, that will be an interesting. I don't know if it's better or worse than the uh, than the Ken Ham Ark Park, which I've never been to. Also, but I would find it hilarious to go to one of those one of these days. Uh, <laughs> if you are an atheist who has been to the Holy Land experience in Orlando, feel free to email and let me know what you thought. I'd be curious about that as well. Uh, or email the nonprofits. We might make a segment of it because we do a lot of uh, viewer mail or listener. Anyway, I've taken up enough of the audience's <laughs> time. I know they can be rabid about getting people on the on the Whoa. air. So, um, who am I taking first? Well, this line is blinking, and it's Gerard in Connecticut. Hi, Phil. Hi, Russell. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, so what I want to talk about today is um, the ideas that made me actually transition from being an atheist to call myself agnostic. Oops, we um, lost one. Curses! <laughs> what was that? I, Wait, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, and the main idea is simply that when I start thinking of games as the wrong kind of um, universes, uh-huh. And so the reason why that is is because, um, you know, well, Russell, you like play video games a lot and stuff, right? You play. I I actually uh, work for an unspecified game company, uh, okay. and I am so a lifelong you, gaming nerd. So yeah. So you you've probably had this idea before, right? Like games of their own worlds and things like that. Right. Sure. I mean. Dude, what if the universe is a big video game, man? Yeah, so the sounds all over again. Before I start, what what your kind of idea of that is? Obviously, you don't take it too seriously, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, there's a difference between. I mean, obviously, I'm not only a gamer, but I'm a science fiction enthusiast, and uh, there are plenty of cool sci-fi stories that uh, that explore the idea. That the whole world could basically, without your knowing it, be part of some kind of virtual world that was created by something else. But there's a difference between getting your mind around those concepts as an interesting possibility and finding them plausible or likely. And uh, I wonder what made you, uh, I wonder if you have taken that jump from thinking that could happen, it would be cool, to that's probably true. I don't know where you're at with that. So where I'm at is, um, I think I'm think I'm at the somewhat plausible 
side of the um okay why spectrum. i mean yeah. do you think um i mean do you understand the idea that that when you uh commit to believing in something it should be grounded in some kind of uh demonstrable evidence of some sort um yes and that uh you know i'm not sure how you would define evidence but what i'm going to talk about now is sort of what i would consider a type of evidence for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So what that is is basically when you take a game and you strip it down to, like, what a game really is, the fundamental nature of a game is just a set of rules, right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, if we look at the universe, if we strip that down, that seems to be just a set of rules also. That's right, a really we, thin connection that you're making. Uh, I mean, yeah, both. I, I mean, you know, there are all kinds of logical fallacies that deal in making connections that aren't there. I mean, you know, there there is what's basically a syllogism, which means that if A is B, if all A's are B and all B's are C, then uh, then all A's are definitely C, right? But if you say all A's are like something, and all B's are like something, that doesn't mean that A and B are the same thing. That's like faulty reasoning. Yeah, so you true. need a little more than that uh, to, you know, to jump to actual conclusions about the universe really being a simulation. Because coming up with vague superficial similarities between them uh, doesn't actually make them the same thing. I'm trying to think of a good metaphor that would... I mean, it's like saying all cats have four legs and all f- dogs have four legs, and therefore all cats are dogs. It it doesn't follow. Yeah. So, uh, shoot, what was it? Um, I, well, that, was, that was the beginning of how I thought about it. Um, and as I explored it, I found some more like, connections that made it um, seem more plausible, which is that, um, which is what you might think another big leap is that also games are also a mathematical structure, right? When I say games are made up of rules, that's kind of just saying, you know, that's establishing axioms and, you know, creating a system from those, and that's how you get the game. Right. Uh, sure. I mean, usually when you're developing a game, and uh, Jeff D on the nonprofits would be a great one to talk about this because he is, in fact, a game designer. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, when you're coming up with a game, you are generally start from a set of rules with an intention in mind, like uh, you know, how can I make this game as fun and streamlined as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily kind of see that as uh, as the case with the entire universe. Uh, if anything, I would say that mathematics is a set of tools that we came up to describe the stuff that we already saw in the universe, and it's and the representation that we have of the universe is at best sort of an imperfect uh, uh, simulated understanding of as much as we know so far. Yes. So, I mean, um, I think it would be wrong to reduce 
the entire universe down to some oversimplified set of rules that are based on things that we've figured out. Yeah, and I, I'm not seeing the real connection. I know you're trying to kind of analogize the, uh, you know, the rules of the game. You know, they, the game has these rules in this environment, and uh, it seems like you're kind of um, playing that onto the universe uh, itself. But the difference is we have lots of examples of game design. We have uh, books on it. We have lots of examples of that portion. We don't have any examples of a universe that uh, goes by that same type of uh, deal. So I was, I was trying to see where you're kind of uh, a- a- analogizing them together like that in order for you to, as you say, you know, go from identifying as atheist to agnostic, which was another question, but I'll leave that for another time. Yeah, so what I'd like to do is um, move a little away from games specifically as the analogy because mm-hmm. the purpose of what I just said, how games are basically mathematical system is to extract it to not games, but mathematics, which is what, Russell, you were sort of um, getting into. Um, Now, I am somewhat of a Platonist in that I think there's, like, Platonist. Oh. In the sense that mathematics is, like, like, natural. Believing that there are ideal forms of some sort? Not... Like, and not just believing that those ideal forms are concepts, but believing that they have their own existence in some set sense. You you didn't I, call back. Should, you didn't uh, call I last should. week, did you? Because I feel like when no, I, I was listening to Phil Ferguson, at least two different people called and wanted to talk about Plato's ideal forms. So I wonder if this is yeah, some kind of fad it. going on right now. Because we don't. We don't I, get, I, I watched last week's show, but I didn't. I guess I forgot because I didn't notice that. Okay. I know there's a lot of cosmological argument talk or something, but mm. um, but yeah, no, I should. I, I feel like it, I feel like it's actually more accurate to say that I'm not Platonist, but I have like the heart of a Platonist because I don't believe in like those ideal forms, like okay. Plato's think, but but I view math as like the most fundamental and natural, you know, like thing. Okay. Um, and that's simply because, you know, how effective it is. You said we use it as a tool, but there are a lot of ways in which we discover, like, rules and truths about the world. And then we formalize them into our own language, which is what we call mathematics, right? Okay, but, I mean, I'm still having trouble seeing the connection between, uh, you know, this idea that uh, games and universes both and have don't rules. Think about games right now. What? Oh, okay. The games, was, the games was the beginning. Okay, but what um, does any of this have to do with a god, for instance? Because you said um, you stopped being an atheist, so you must have some opinion about uh, like some kind of cosmic designer or something. Okay, so um, that's well, there are, there are other levels there, but um, what what this all leads to is our world being a mathematical system in of itself. You know, which, by the way, isn't um, isn't just like I mean, it's not like a 
idea that's never been solved before. That's a, that's a kind of idea that's out there. Um, and the, way, the same way we see mathematical systems created in our world, like game, for example, it seems possible, first of all, that there is, that our universe is just some mathematical system within some other, some higher reality, the way games and that. So, are, so you're saying there's a dude in another universe who's a game designer, and you think you know this is probably true because math. Basically, I, well, when it comes when it comes to God, yeah, and there being an intelligent designer, that I'm not, um, I'm not very sure about. Okay, that's why I know. So, so presumably, there's a higher order. I, I mean, let's say that you're right. Presumably, there's then a higher order universe which is also, uh, you know, outside this and completely contains this universe. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that universe also a you know, a game in yet another universe? Is it is it turtles all the way down, as the saying goes? Or what's your end point? Do you think that there's an actual um, universe that's not a simulation? I don't think it has to be. Um, oh, so you think like, we are in an infinite, in infinitely nested universe of games and games and games? Um, no, that, might, that doesn't have to be the case. Okay, good, because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm just trying to follow where your reasoning goes because you're not, when I ask what's your evidence, you're not pointing to any specific feature of our universe. You're just saying, in general, because of math, the universe has to be in another universe. So I'm just trying to figure out if that applies to that okay, universe up there also. Um, or do you think well, that, that, that universe that, doesn't have consistency and rules and is just complete anarchy with unicorns and dinosaurs and Winston Churchill? Have you heard of uh, uh, Max Tegmark? Do you know Max Tegmark? What? Do you know Max Tegmark? Have you heard of him? No. Mm-hmm. He's a physicist at MIT, and he has his own theory of um, the multiverse. And okay. his theory is that I don't call those like things theories, the by the way, because they're really right. hard to test. Usually, a theory uh, well, implies that they're a well right. uh, that they're a well organized framework, but uh, they tend to be just, uh, you know, <laughs> blowing smoke and not testable, which is why they're not generally accepted as uh, as scientific knowledge. Right. Uh, I was using a more colloquial. Uh, version of a Okay. Well, theory. I mean, sorry to be nitpicky, but, you know, people it's throw around, around the word theory a lot. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Gerard, um, I also want to ask another question. You, when you originally got, got sure. on the call, you said that you stopped identifying as atheist and uh, mm-hmm. started identifying as agnostic. Uh, what, in your mind, what exactly was the difference of those two? What, what how do you perceive those two words and their difference enough for you to identify as one and not the other. Uh, well, at first I didn't. It was just a feeling. Like I wasn't sure why at first. I just had the feeling of I'm not. I can't be an atheist anymore, or I'm not an atheist anymore. So, um, to you, what is an atheist? Well, I mean, an atheist. There's no one definition for atheist, but there is a way I think about it. Which doesn't apply to me. Um, and one okay, of the ways yeah, that, 
Is it, do you, is it something besides uh, a lack of theism? Is it something outside of that, like it's your own definition? Or, I'm sorry? It, yeah, so what made me an atheist, I'll say it this way, what made me an atheist, which I learned later, was that I believed that no God existed. That's what made me an atheist. Right, but that's that's, that's the, not the, like, an exclusive definition of atheist. An atheist is just yeah, someone who doesn't believe be in God. Only, yeah, I'm not claiming it to be the okay. definition. But I'm saying that's what made me, that's how I, like, thought of myself and knew myself as an atheist. And when that, when, when I came to this, you know, to coming up with these ideas, I came to a point where, I didn't believe that no God existed. Okay, and but do you that believe that a God does exist? Right. No. Then you're still an atheist. Yeah. I mean, you are just a, a more, uh, uh, you know, what's referred to in some cases as a weak atheist. Yeah. Although, I mean, or I don't like, I don't know if I like that term, but yeah. Or just agnostic atheist. Sure. Like you don't make a claim to knowledge, but you currently lack a belief in a deity or deity, so... Right, because I mean, you you, you want to be careful of uh, drawing a distinction between leaving open possibilities for something to exist and actually believing that that thing exists, because that's all that atheist necessarily means. Uh, did you hear what I repeated three times? Uh, go ahead and repeat it a fourth, but sure. we're gonna we're gonna move on from this call pretty soon. Just uh, okay. just giving you okay, a heads up. Um, so, for sure, I'll finish with this. Um, so all that's said by your definition. Um, because Matt says this a lot. You know, words have different usages. Yeah. And he, he didn't, like, this is, this is one problem I have with, oh, um, yeah, I'm not getting into that. But, yeah, so there are different usages of atheists. So by most usages of atheists, I would be an atheist because I lack belief in God. Okay. I don't follow that usage. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, okay, but you so don't get to dictate what other people use. use. What? I mean, okay, but you don't get to dictate what other people use. I mean, we're we're now I'm arguing not, over what the word means, and I I don't know that that's useful. Yeah. So it, yeah, it, I'm not I'm not saying you can't call me an atheist, but I'm just saying by your definition. That's okay. Your definition. Yeah. But, but I think it would be helpful in the future to, uh, if you're using a non-standard uh, definition, to better identify what exactly you mean by that. So agnostic that, isn't uh, really non-standard. There are a lot of people that call themselves agnostic. Sure, sure. But right. uh, but you, like, as far as your definition of what atheist, I mean, that's what I was trying to get together because I didn't quite understand how you were drawing that distinction on there. But um, I'm just saying for future reference, it may be helpful to better explain your uh, your frame of reference when you're going uh, for those two ideas, at least for someone else that may have a different idea of what those words mean, that may uh, lead to some muddling of that conversation a bit. So yeah, yeah, sure. All right. Anyway, we're gonna pick up another caller. Uh, thanks for getting in touch, Gerard. Yeah, thanks for talking. Yeah, right, have a good weekend. Bye. Just a little bit that's left. <laughs> Matthew in New Orleans. How are you? Oh, hey, how, how y'all doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, 
I was calling because um, I'm, an, I'm a theist. I believe in God. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was in the military. I was in the Marines for eight years. I was deployed overseas. And some of the things that I've experienced over there and, you know, some things that I've seen, I mean, it, it led me to believe that for me to come home without a scratch on me, I mean, it has. I mean, what more can it be than than God watching over me? Because you know, I would pray before I would go out there to do anything, and you know, and He brought me back home. You well, know, but at the same time, it's uh, I question that because there were other people that prayed just like me that didn't make it back. So you know, it's things like that that make me that make me wonder. But um, it, it's confusing because. I know God has a plan for for everybody, and it, it, it made me wonder what His plan is. But apparently, He has some type of plan for me because I was able to to make it home. I mean, so can I, how do how do I can I ask you something? And I'm asking actually from a position of ignorance because I'm not in the military and don't follow it very carefully. But uh, do you have any uh, concept of what is the rate at which uh, military members get killed or injured uh, in their entire term of duty? Like, is it in their entire? It, I mean, is it closer duty, to twenty percent, fifty percent, or eighty percent? I mean, it, uh, that's a good question. I, I wouldn't know that. I, I could just uh, talk about. You know, when I was overseas, um, you okay. know, we did lose a couple of guys. A couple I mean, of guys. I mean, out of out one, of how many? One is enough, but you know. Yeah, and you know, of, course, a, uh, of course, of uh, course, every human life lost is a tragedy. But I mean, a couple of guys lost out of how many? Out of a good bit, um, I would say within um, within my unit, probably was more than um, eighty or more. You know. 880. So that is a yeah. rate of, let's see, I, I would guess uh, a bit less than 2% of people actually died. How many of them, how many of the people you served with would you say got injured? Um, uh, quite a few. I would say, say of, of, if they did have 80, of those 80, probably I would say about maybe 15, 15. to um, so 20. That's, yeah, so maybe 20% of them got injured. So if you're in Iraq... Or, or I'm sorry, you didn't say where you were stationed. But sure. Yeah, if, all right. Right, but if you are away on active military duty, you have roughly an 80% chance of living and coming home with no injuries. Is that right? Um, if, you put it, if you put it that way, I guess. So, I mean, I... I I I wouldn't necessarily attribute that to a special plan for you. I I would say, you know, a twenty percent chance of serious injury is not nothing, and uh, you know it it uh, <laughs> good for you for coming home without injury. But I also yeah. wouldn't consider it a good case for special protection for you. Okay, so but what I'm what I'm saying is, you know, I've been in situations to where if I would have probably moved one inch to the right, one inch to the left, you know, mm-hmm. that could have been the, the end of me. And Wouldn't that I be also so, true and, and of, during of those times, lots I felt of people? Like it was like an intervention, like something told me or something stopped me from doing this particular thing that would have, that would have ended my life. So I'm like, you know, what, I mean, is that just chance? I mean, it's hard to think that it's just chance because, you know, 
And like, like I said, you know, I question, I'm, I'm questioning things at this point in my life right now, you know. So I'm, I'm like, it, what more can it be? You know, I've lived my entire life believing in God. I feel as though I've gotten to this point in my life because of his blessings. And, you know, going through those things, and right now I'm a, I'm a police officer. So, you know, I get in some right. heavy situations in that job, too. And for some reason, I'm still here. You know, through all these things that I'm going through, I'm still here. So what more, I mean, I mean, am I just that lucky? <laughs> well, Matthew, um, hi, this is uh, Phil here. I just had um, one point to make. Uh, as Russell said, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you returned home safe and sound, and thank you for uh, your service. But you were saying that, you know, the fact that you returned um, and without a scratch, that, you know, that means that God had a plan for you. But you saying that, what does that say about that 20% who didn't get as lucky as you to be able to make it back uh, either at all or without injury? And that's, and that's the part that troubles me, you know, because there, there were people that were over there praying just like me. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, it's like, okay, why, why is he showing me, you know, in my mind, why is he showing me favor over this guy? Because, you know, I'm like, okay, this guy may have been a better person than me. You know, but right. he allowed this guy to die right here, but allowed me to go home for some reason. So, you know, when I see things like that, I'm like, okay, there must be some type of plan for me. I mean, well, but at the same I've... time, I, it makes me think what part of God's plan, uh, you know, made sense. What, what part of God's, what was right. God's plan for this guy to die? You know, and so so I I understand why you think that. I mean, for a couple of reasons, it's cultural, and people tell you that uh, that there is a God and He's looking out for people. And the other thing is that if uh, it turns out that the you know all powerful Creator of the universe has a special plan for you, that makes you feel yeah. pretty special, right? I mean. And so I can understand why it feels good and and you want to think that it's not just luck. But, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's really not even all that amazing of luck. I'm sure that lots and lots of people have close shaves in their life. I mean, when I was young and a stupid teenager who wasn't that good at driving, uh, I drove on some icy roads uh, on a very steep mountain path, and I kind of skidded for a while uh, and then came to a stop without driving off a cliff, which is lucky, but it didn't make me feel like I got rescued. It just meant uh, things could have gone another way, but fortunately they didn't. And, I mean, you know, uh, as much as you might want not want to think so, it could just be statistics. And, yeah, what, you and know, I, uh, I understand uh, Matthew, where you're coming from. Matthew, okay. I understand. But, yeah. But yeah, I was just about to say, uh, but it also, um, the people that served with you and alongside you, people that are still there now and those that are just uh, getting into it, um, just this morning I was at the Lackland Air Force Base at the Atheist Humanist Meeting where we have a large, a large field of religious beliefs in uh, that portion. But you're saying that you know, you were attributing this to, you know, your God, your specific one that you believe in. But a lot of the people that you serve with don't believe in any deity at all. They may believe in different deity or deities, depending on what's going on. Like in the meeting I was just in, we had people that were followers of the Norse religion. We had pa- pagan Wiccans. Yeah, it's, it's really 
there, there are uh, definitely behind, Muslims in the army. Right. I mean, uh, you know, so Captain you, Khan, who was kind of high, uh, whose death was highly visible. Right. Right. Uh, you know, but so what you're saying is that you, you have all those different I'm saying that is okay. my God. It could like there are people that have other religions that may believe in something else, and they right. may say, "Oh, well, it was my God." Right. That how how are we supposed are to me. differentiate uh, which deity had their hand in the pot? Like, how are we supposed to know which one uh, actually granted you the favor in your uh, in your opinion? Like, uh, how are we supposed to uh, discern? Uh, which belief was correct and which deity or deity set came in to intervene wow. for your particular situation. And, you know, that's why I called, because, you know, staying here in um, in New Orleans, in the South, basically, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have a – I can talk to, you know, people that believe in God all day. Sure. And, sure. you know, they, they tell me – I hear the same things for them. You know, they reassure me and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it, it brings me comfort when I, when I hear those things coming from them. I don't – hardly ever get to speak to somebody that has a different point of view. So, you know, that's why I called because I wanted some more insight on, you know, other possibilities because I have I have a lot of questions and I, I right. don't get a lot of answers. And the answers that I'm getting, it feels like, they're just, you know, they're telling me these things because that's what, they're, that's what they're programmed to say, you know, and I wanted something that was more of a realistic answer from somebody that doesn't believe the same thing that they believe, yeah, which is and- why I called because – I, you know, I mean, it's, it's I real do, confusing to me. Right, and I know it may feel a little bit like we're picking on you, but I mean that's a big part of the reason why we do the show is that a lot of times people just uh, are steeped in a culture where everything is attributed to supernatural causes, uh, and they don't have a lot of opportunity to talk about the other side. And even though for some people it's frightening to uh, to give up on the idea that there's some cosmic being who's looking out for them. Uh, you know, there are a lot of problems with that worldview. And um, even though uh, a lot of people think that they would have no hope and no reason to live without this idea of God grounding them, what a lot of people find who who sort of drift away from their faith is that it's actually kind of a relief to not assume that they're under the constant eye of, of this cosmic bookkeeper who's got inscrutable reasons for, let, let's say, killing their best friends on purpose. And I understand where you're coming from as far as um, being in an environment where everyone kind of believes the same, and so you receive kind of the same reinforcement when you ask the question. Um, like, I grew, up, um, I grew up religious, and everyone around me, my both sides of the family, even though they, we went to different churches, they were still um, they were still believers. And so, when you would ask a you know deeper question, or oh, why did so and so pass away? You know, they they were so young. You know, why did they uh, why did they have to go now? And then it was kind of the same answer. Well, you know, God had a, a plan for him, and that and that was a part of uh, his plan. You just have to trust and make sure that you you know hold true, hold on to your faith. That w- those were the answers that. I receive, and when I went to uh, university, um, I was in an engineering program originally, and all of a sudden, I was exposed to a lot of different individuals who hold a vastly different beliefs than I uh, had growing up. I knew that they existed, but never to this degree. And so, you know, you befriend people, and you start to hear about uh, their religious uh, symbols and their um, traditions and their foods, and which are delicious. Uh, 
in a lot of cases. But uh, that diversity really opened up my mind into there's a lot of people that believe a lot of different things. And like uh, Hinduism, it was vastly different um, than anything that uh, anything that I was exposed to growing up. And so that kind of led my questioning uh, initially when I got there to kind of uh, pursue why my particular belief system was the true and correct one. And what about theirs? Theirs is so different that, um, you know, how could we can both be true, essentially. So how was I going to decide which one is going to be correct? I would question stuff like that Mm -hmm. about, you know, about different religions. And I would hear things like, oh, it's just people. We all worship the same God. Other people have just different ways of doing it. (laughs) You know, and that that's that's what I'm always told. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I I understand everything that you're uh, that you're saying. But you know, what makes it hard is you know basically the fact that I've lived my entire life believing in this one God, and then for me to to even fathom or think that there's a there's, there's, that He may not even exist, it makes me wonder. Like, okay, well, what's going on in in, in my life? Why are why are these things happening to me just by random chance? It's, you know, uh, it's hard to think of a life without it, but I understand I understand everything that you're saying because this is why I have questions because at the same time, if there if there was such a God that was so good and he's letting all these – and say, for instance, good things happen to me, why does he let bad things happen to other people? Why doesn't he just have good things happen to everybody? You, you know, I just – I don't – yeah, and it's hard for yeah. a lot of people I know. I mean, I've talked to people who are who were like in in their former life full-on Pentecostal ministers, like the actual heads of uh organizations that did stuff like speaking in tongues. And uh yeah. you know, their their entire uh livelihood and their whole social foundation was based on uh them being able to say on a regular basis that they were confident and certain that that God existed and that he had a a, uh, a thorough plan for the lives of each and every person in their congregation that they knew. And some of those people, when they moved away from uh, their belief in God, they experienced a serious identity crisis. Uh, and and had a hard time because basically their whole social network was based around these religious beliefs. And I don't want to downplay how difficult that is, but I do want to say um, that, and, and, you know, I'm not trying to convert you or anything, uh, but if the time should come where you feel doubt and concern about this, there are organizations like the Clergy Project that people can connect to uh, for former clergy members to uh, discuss their anxieties around their loss of faith, and there are uh, things like uh, recovering from religion. Uh, recovering yeah. from a religion hotline. The, uh, yeah, the recovering from religion has a hotline for well, there's, people. There's that organizations you can talk. that help people that's uh, that's going through a, a spell where they're not believing. Yeah, all the I mean, and they're very good organizations, but I can't say that they will reassure you that a God exists. I mean, if you are trying to hold on to your to your faith, then these might not be the people that you want to talk to. But I personally to hold on to it is is because I I don't have any because another thing is, you know, I'm I'm, I'm black. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen a predominantly black community. So Mm -hmm. the fact that even fathom being an atheist at any point in my life, um, I, 
I could imagine the ridicule that I would that I would get from that. Which sure. is why when I have some of these questions, I don't I don't ask certain people because I know what's what the outcome of that's going to be. So it's almost mm-hmm. like even if you did want to get a way out, it's almost like you're trapped into it. Because if you were to speak about that to anybody, they'll be like, okay, how could you possibly not believe in God? How could you possibly question His motives? Everything yeah. God does is for a reason. Everything is a plan, and you just have to have faith and believe in that. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm always told, and that's, yeah. you know, and I, I'm actually getting tired of that answer, mm-hmm. you know, so, and to be honest with you, at this point in my life, I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm stuck. If, at, right now, if I did believe in God, at this point, I'm not really liking him that much, you know, so... Right now, I'm just really confused about, you know, what's the next step that I should do? I mean, mm-hmm. where do I go from here? And you're dealing with two separate issues, and one of them is, does a God really exist or not? And, you know, that that is, there's no way that we can give you an easy answer to that. But the other issue that you're probably dealing with is that in your so- social sphere, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, religious people, some of them can be cruel, and it can be very difficult. Uh, you know, I've spoken to uh, kids whose parents basically disowned them and kicked them out of the house. Mm-hmm. That's that's an extreme case. It doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> that would have definitely been the case for me. Um, but on the other hand, there are probably a lot of people in your life, uh, maybe, that you didn't know also have doubts. and. Yeah. You'd be surprised at how often I've heard that somebody who is afraid to tell to tell their wife, for instance, that they don't believe anymore, uh, got the answer. I'm really glad you said that because I've been hiding from you that I have doubts. So that kind of thing does happen. Uh, and I mentioned a minute ago uh, the Hotline Project, which uh, you can actually look up at recoveringfromreligion.org. Uh, and then uh, slash hotline dash project, or if you just look up recovering from religion right, or good. Google hotline project with and atheist, uh, you you can probably find pretty easily. And we only have an hour and a half show every week, so we we can't you know yeah. ca- okay. counsel you well, for a long I, time. But <laughs> yeah, but I, I thank y'all for answering my call. Yeah. Y'all gave me a lot to think about. Um, really, really helped me out. And uh, maybe I'll be able to call again and give you an update of uh, where I'll be at 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 the next point. I would love that, and I hope you do. And uh, whatever conclusion you come to, uh, I hope that you find peace and satisfaction in the way your life goes. And I understand where you're coming from, Matthew, on that uh, side of not being able to talk to anyone in your in your close familiar circle, your uh, your friend circle. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of backlash that can come and just uh, the way that, uh, you know, that I grew up and the way that religion was exposed to me and how those that are around me expressed themselves um, about their religion. You know, it was just it was unfathomable for, for me to even contemplate, oh, going to, uh, you know, an aunt or an uncle to say like, oh, so I, you know, this is this is what I'm thinking now. I'm not really in a part of the Christian portion anymore. Like uh, even when I went uh, spiritual, but non-religious, that uh, aspect, I had one conversation with one person in my family. And that was the one person that I uh, knew was like, we've always been close. And so they would be more willing to hear me out without uh, the judgment that other people around me would have. And so 
if you're trying to find someone outside of that circle, like Russell said, um, I would I would strongly recommend like the Recovering from Religion that Hotline project because uh, they do have uh, counselors. They have a lot of trained individuals on there that um, help with people that are just doubting beliefs. They're not trying to convert you. They're not trying to uh, do anything in particular, but just uh, hear hear you out and give you someone to talk to um, and someone that shares a different perspective than those uh, that you might find around you so you can get um, a fresh insight with someone, you know, on a one-on-one uh, personal level. And that's a little more personal than um, going through the interweb for this kind of uh, I'll, thing. So I'll definitely do that. Right, but I wish you luck, Matthew, in your search, and uh, just good luck Thank to you. you. Yeah, really appreciate you. your call. Great talking to you guys. All right, All you right. too. Thanks. Bye. Kevin in Dallas. Hi. Oh, detail. Awesome. Hey. How are you? I, uh, I'm doing well. I uh, I love the show. And Thanks. I uh, met Russell at a pasta con in Dallas in 2015. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a good time. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just to give you a back, a bit of background, I listened to Dogma Debate, and mm-hmm. one of his Christian apologist listeners was there and gave out his email address, and something he said irked me, so I emailed him. <laughs> okay. We, uh, okay. Yeah. We started a discussion, and there were many avenues of discussion that we could take, but after reading How to Create an Atheist by uh, Peter Bogosian, I decided I would try to waste as little time as possible and try to get him to realize that faith was an unreliable path to knowledge. Okay. okay. Good I, luck with I, that. <laughs> yeah. I started out by asking, as Matt does, if there's any position he could not take on faith, and he didn't understand this question. It took him a while to even understand my definition of faith, which is belief without sufficient evidence, because according to him, everything uh, takes faith because we do not have absolute knowledge. We went around and around on our two definitions, and I intended to ask him why he departed from both the biblical definition and the dictionary definition. And as we were getting there, he said he thought we should end the conversation. So my question is how to proceed when you and atheists have a different definition of faith. So uh, I I was on my high school debate team, and uh, early on I got in a debate where – most of the back and forth argument was on arguing whose definition was right. Uh, this actually was a, a guy who was a senior when I was like a junior or something, and he was way more experienced than me. And, but I felt pretty good about how it had gone, but I got completely ripped. I mean, you know, I, I was crushed by the judge. Um, and I talked to a, another member of the team later, and they said, never waste time on the, uh, in an entire debate going round and round on definitions. There are so much more productive things you can be doing. Um, and in, in my experience talking to lots and lots of people on this show, uh, I've come to realize that one of the things that annoys the people you're talking to most and guarantees that you're not going to have a constructive uh, decision or a discussion is trying to tell them what they believe, and putting words in their mouth and not listening to and understanding what they are telling you they believe. Um, So, you know, what do you believe and why isn't just a platitude. Uh, It's a way of opening a conversation because 
you have to actually make an effort to reach out to the other person and understand where they're coming from. And when when you spend a lot of time just arguing about what definition they're using and say, no, no, you shouldn't use that definition. You should just come over to my definition. It It's generally a, co- a communication breakdown because it doesn't advance the actual thing you want to talk about, which is what do they really believe? Like, forget the words that they're using. If they want to say, to take a typical example, uh, atheism is just another religion. I used to argue, no, it's not. It's totally not a religion. But that doesn't go anywhere. And what I found is a, a better way to approach the question is saying something like, what do you mean when you say a religion? And and you you can listen to what they are trying to tell you, and you can ask them for clarification, but you can conditionally accept the words that they are using, it, you can note in passing, well, that's not the way I use the word, but sure, you could say under that, under that very narrow definition of religion, I will grant you that atheism is a religion, so what? Or in your case, you were talking about the use of the word faith. Now, when I talk about faith, I, I generally say faith is a bad thing. And I would say that faith is overconfident belief in something that you have no good reason to believe. But you can discuss the idea of that without insisting that that person come around to your idea. I mean, you know, conversation is a lot of give and take and trying to understand what they're really trying to tell you instead of just getting bogged down in what word they're using and whether you mean the same word, the same thing by that word as they do. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm just, uh, it, I had basically a game plan for uh, how to get him to understand where I was trying to go, but he... I I was I couldn't figure out why he thought the way he did and he was not really explaining that like I I think like I I kept on asking him questions trying to get to understand his position better and he would basically answer them really poorly and it was very hard to get anywhere right uh did so, you ever uh, consider the possibility that he's just a bad communicator and it's not your fault like, you you went yeah. into this trying to win and trying to change his mind and getting him to drop his theism. But I can tell you from experience that that rarely works. It's a nice surprise when it does, but that shouldn't necessarily be your goal in every conversation. Yes, and I was, uh, well, I, I'm, I'd like to try to use that, you know, the manual for creating atheists. I'm just... I was basically trying to use this as a practice run, and it didn't work very well because I was stuck oh. on a on a definition that mm. made absolutely no sense, and I couldn't get him to tell me why he would go with that definition. Right. Well, I'm not Peter Bogosian, and I have to admit I've I've flipped through his book, but I haven't read the whole thing. So, I mean, you'd maybe have to ask Peter. <laughs> uh, uh, why he thinks his approach didn't work, but maybe it just doesn't work. 
he's not infallible. Uh, or maybe you weren't applying it right, but I'm not going to assume... Like, I don't ever assume going into a conversation that there's a magic bullet that will uh, convert somebody to an atheist, because if I thought that, then there would be a lot more atheists in the world. Yes. Yes, and I will also say, uh, you said that um, uh, that you had a plan going into uh, this in particular, and that because of that de- definition and that you, you, I guess you couldn't come to grips with um, an agreeable definition of that word. It kind of uh, threw off your plan. But um, I would also say in your uh, future endeavors, uh, trying to apply uh, Peter's, that, that type of method, that epistemology type of uh, method, that you might have to uh, be a little bit more flexible in your uh, conversations, not to expect right. that things are going to go according to that plan, and when they don't, um, you don't really have a way to recover um, at that point. It's, it's like, you know, the definition, you got hung up on that, and because you did, the, uh, the conversation couldn't really progress according to the plan that uh, you had had, whether you adapted it from the book or if that's what uh, the book specified. But I would say just uh, uh, to be, I guess, a little less rigid on that uh, portion, to be a little more flexible to actual conversation, trying to understand where... Uh, that other individual is coming from, and there's no guarantee that that other and that other individual is going to be able to explain themselves uh, to your satisfaction. They may not uh, have the vocabulary, have the words, or even know what it is that they really mean in order to uh, relay that to you concretely, so that you understand where they're coming from. Yeah, and if I were in your position, like I, I might consider making an approach like, hey, I feel like we got off on the wrong foot and I was maybe coming across as too aggressive. Uh, Can we start over? (laughs) Because even though it feels like a blow to the pride, uh, you know, there is nothing that flatters people more when you're talking to them than an admission that you were wrong about something. Or at least... You know, you weren't necessarily wrong about the point you were trying to prove, but that you recognize that you took the wrong approach and put them off. And telling somebody, I really want to understand what you're coming from. Can we talk about it in this way? Yeah, that's uh, what I was just about to say about just yeah. coming from an earnest position to say, you know, I was really trying to understand where you were coming from when you were using the word faith, but I wasn't understanding the way you were explaining it to me. Could you um, try in another way to, because I really want right. to understand where you're coming from and really want to nail down what it is that you think uh, faith is so that we can actually have a meaningful conversation going forward and approaching it from that, not a combative uh, way, just like, hey, I really want to understand. Like, I'm from an earnest position trying to understand what you're saying. Right. And uh, there's nothing wrong with just flat out saying, I don't agree with that. And and not yeah. making it, you're absolutely wrong. Because even if you think that somebody is absolutely wrong, saying it in a way that that personalizes it and saying, you know, well, you could be right, but you're not convincing me. Like, if they don't care about convincing you, they just want to do mental masturbation and say the things they believe over and over again. Uh, maybe the conversation isn't going to go anywhere, and that's fine. You just take that as a lesson learned that, uh, you know, sometimes you just cut your losses and don't waste your time. Yeah, I was, uh, that's my, that was part of my plan because he, because there were multiple, 
like categories that we could discuss, but I thought like if we could come to an agreement on this point and I didn't know how to, I knew that we would be talking past each other if we didn't agree on this point. So that's part of, that's the main reason why I tried to stick on that point because I thought we would be able to come to agreement on it and I thought we were getting there and then you said, you know, we're not going to come to an agreement basically. Yeah, well, you know, getting good at conversations with theists is an ongoing process, and you don't necessarily need to fixate on uh, getting it right with one person. Uh, yeah. It's it's a battle, not not the whole war, although it's not really a war necessarily. It's just trying to understand people and maybe make a positive in- impact on some people you meet as as much as you can. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you for calling. Who have we got on line three? It's, uh, no, I just talked to an atheist. I'm going with uh, uh, Jeff in Utah has been waiting a long time. How are you, Jeff? Yes, I'm doing well. And and this is Russell and Phil, correct? Yeah. Have we ever talked before? Well, no, uh, but I think two or three weeks ago I talked to Matt and uh-huh. John, and I don't know how to pronounce John's last name. Iacoletti. Iacoletti. With yikes, that's a doozy. <laughs> well, and and I, it sounds narcissistic, but you know I've got YouTube here, and I watched the the call with Matt and I many many times. Uh-huh. And I I didn't me. watch the call, so maybe you can tell me oh. how it ended. Oh, well, okay, so I, I'm a Latter Day Saint, uh, and I believe in in Jesus Christ, and I believe in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon, yeah, and also in the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. And and I was talking with Matt, uh, and he mentioned, uh, well, <laughs> let me put it this way, we. I spent too much time attempting to defend Joseph Smith, uh, and and that's not that's not why I'm a Latter Day Saint or, or more Mormon is kind of a, a, a pejorative term. I, and I mentioned that last time, and and I will say that Matt was very sharp. He knew quite a bit, but he can. Yeah. What, what what's difficult for me is is that I've only been a, a Latter-day Saint for a little over a year. Oh, what so were I, you before? I'm probably. Well, I was uh, a Baptist for a while. And, okay. So you, you it, went from one set of beliefs about God to another one? Well, yes. Okay. But, but um, what happened is, uh, you know, my parents divorced, and my dad went to a, one church, and my mom just didn't go, and... and um, I was with my uh, dad and my stepmom, and my stepmom went to a different church. And, you know, so I, and I can't even remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure uh, she was Baptist. Some, some kind, and I know okay. they have different, well, uh, all kinds you know, we've, of we've got 20 minutes left in the show. I don't need your whole life story. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry, sorry. I'm not trying and to I, be rude. I have a, <laughs> Well, and I have a tendency to ramble. I even recommended that Matt see The Rock last time I talked to him. I mean, the, we talked to The Rock the, a while. The one with, uh, uh, 
Who's... Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned it uh, as why? an example. I, I used it as an example. <laughs> okay. Well, well, anyway, I I forget Mormonism for a moment. I, I think that Christianity is valid as a belief system. And, and, why? And that was uh, – well, when I talked to Matt, we focused too much on Joseph Smith, and, okay. and really, Joseph Smith is no one. All right, fine. Clean slate. You believe that the Christian God exists because? Oh, well, I pray. Uh huh. And I'm I'm assuming, and I think it's a healthy assumption that neither of you pray. Uh, but I generally know. Yeah. When, <laughs> well, yeah. It, when I pray, and I pray daily, and when I do, I feel the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and I feel the love of my Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father. He's He's okay. not just mine. He's yours as well. He's the Father of our right. spirits, and... I'm sensing some incredulity. I mean, it's not like I'm that incredulous. It's nothing that I haven't heard before. So I believe that you have been taught that when you say some words, uh, the all-powerful creator of the universe is listening to you uh, and cares deeply about your life. And I believe you when you say that when you say these words, you feel the emotional impact of that belief and it makes you feel good that somebody is paying oh, attention oh, to yes. you out there. But oh, I don't it's... actually believe that any uh, that there is a cosmic person listening to you. I well, think it's just have... your your background beliefs influencing the uh -huh. way you feel. Well, now have you tried to pray? Have you reached out? I sure. You know, that, that's why that I say not generally. Him. I mean, I've been an atheist all my life, but I've tried experimental uh -huh. prayer. And, uh, I, and nothing really happened. Uh, and I was raised as a uh, a Baptist Christian, a Southern Baptist Christian, uh, Christian for um, all of my young life and young adult life. And I went into even into college still um, as a believer on that side. And uh, uh -huh. we prayed. Oh, it was so many services that we <laughs> went to. But, um, oh, services, yeah, prayers. I, I'm sure like, you counted it. It's up. just. It's, just, uh, it's been a long time, but what comes to my mind now, which is the same question I kind of asked myself when, um, I guess uh, I mentioned it earlier, when I got to school at the university and seeing so many other people that believed in completely different belief systems than mine, but they believed them just as strongly as I believed in the one I had, the one I was introduced and brought up to believe my entire time, and they felt just as strongly uh, that theirs was true and that uh, whether they were Hindu, the ones that uh, were Muslim, uh, others that were, it's, it's some, I think, I guess it was Native American, or I, I'm not sure if there's, I'm sure there's a word there that I'm probably forgetting <laughs> on that side, but um, they believed it just as fervently. And so I couldn't justify my belief, even though I felt that this was real. I was, um, like I said, taught this all throughout my childhood. I felt the spirit when I was in church. Wow, these earbuds are terrible. Uh, <laughs> um, I felt the spirit I, I when I was in church, well. um, you know, when, when songs were being played, I would be there, I would be up, I'd be clapping, you know, there were a lot of, uh, noise making material, so tambourines and blocks and everything, especially in the free yes. church that I was a part of. And you well, were, you felt, uh, 
that portion, and and that's that's what I thought. It it was real for me. It was really, like, I couldn't deny it. I felt good after it. I wanted more of it, um, which I loved. Like the longer services that we had that were drone on for about five, six, seven hours, uh, just oh, depending goodness. on. Yeah, it was just depend, but it Hard was it, it was just a good, like it was a good feeling, and I don't doubt that those feelings that I felt like I recognize them now that they were real by the same token that was what I was brought up to believe was correct this is what's supposed to happen you're supposed to be in the spirit you're supposed to you know give yourself up to the Lord and you know catch the Holy Spirit um, and that's that's yeah. what I that's what I grew up but then going to a different service when I was in uh, university and seeing the completely different uh, portions that they uh, this, traditions was that it they a adhere to service? Uh, no, this one uh, was a uh, this was a, a Hind, uh, is it Hindi or Hindu uh, service that I went and I was able to not participate in but watch uh, from the back uh-huh. inside. I had a lot of friends. I was in engineering, uh, so it was a very wide array of different belief systems there, and I befriended some some of my coworkers, uh, classmates, and so I was curious and um, wanted to know more about um, you know their culture, and I just went just to watch and see what happens and. You know, I was in awe because it was so different than anything that I had ever been exposed to. And here they were believing it, you know, just as strong. They were, you know, participating with all of their gusto. And I was sitting there in the back like, wow, they're just like I was and just like, you know, my family was. It's it's the same as we had, just a completely different belief system. And so that's what started my initial questioning about my Christianity and why I held it so dear and so true when they held theirs the same and we were completely different. Like, uh, it was so much difference uh, that was there, but it was an awesome looking service though. It was cool. Well, and I think that's what drew me to Mormonism. Uh, it's a, it was a, it's a restoration. Uh, it's the belief that uh, Jesus Christ continues to live, that he visited Joseph Smith, and see, it's so difficult not to mention Joseph Smith, but we <laughs> I know, believe because so much that, of the religion is based on these revelations that this one guy got. And I mean, you, you I'm sure you understand, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but uh, I'm oh, sure no. you have, you have a show. sense of how uh, uh, unlikely the story or or how unconvincing the story of Joseph Smith is to a lot of people who aren't approaching it from uh, a faith position. Well, and you have to have faith. And, and that well, yeah, and that's the problem. I was just talking to another caller yeah. a few minutes ago where I was talking about this notion of, of faith that uh, that there's this assumption that it's a good idea to... Uh, lacking a good reason to believe something, just believe really hard, but I and then it will be reasons. true. What? But I do have good reasons, Russell. I, okay, but you it, haven't it, it, really it, presented any. I, I'm sorry. I, I even talked, when I talked with Matt, I mentioned that I read the Book of Mormon. I even right. went to the South Park show. Yeah. Or, or Well, it's not the South Park show, but it's the, <laughs> the Broadway uh, the, show. The, the musical? South Park Boys. Are you yes. talking about the Broadway musical or the South Park episode yes. with it? it yeah, it, it's well, a great show, both. right? Oh, it, it was. It, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. In fact, yeah. when my wife and I were out in the car, 
after watching the show, my face hurt. And I thought, why is my right. face hurt? And because we were laughing so hysterically. But, but I mean, I'll, but I'll was, tell you something that I took away from the Book of Mormon uh, musical, which, okay. you know, I'm going to try not to spoil it because if people haven't seen it, they should. But uh, there's this part at the end where these kids who have been very earnest believers in Mormonism have sort of accidentally developed their own weird offshoot of Mormonism, right? Yes. <laughs> and then... Yeah. yeah. And, and then uh, Elder... Uh, is it... Which one is... Cunningham. The, no, is the other one. I mean, I mean, you know, you know oh. the, the really earnest kid, I think it's Elder Price, right? Um, it, sorry, yeah, I don't know why Price. I'm looking at you. I'm going to say... Yeah, I, I can't help with But he, he says something <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't matter what we believe or, you know, whether God is real or not. It just matters that we believe something that makes us happy, which in a way is a kind of a positive, inspiring message probably to some people. But, but also to me, it kind of highlights how... A lot of people don't really care if they're believing what is true or not. They just care about the way that belief makes them feel. And I think that there's a parallel between the real Mormonism, and I'm making air quotes for people who are listening to the audio, yeah. and, and the variant of Mormonism that Elder Cunningham comes up with. Uh, like, I, I think they're kind of coming from the same place. They're both kind of silly stories that are hard to swallow, but then they make all the people who believe them feel like they've discovered something important and personal to them. So in your mind, Joseph Smith, like Elder Cunningham, was using his imagination. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, well, and that's what this Elder conversation Cunningham is going to be a lot I'm, more fun for people to listen to if they have seen the show. But uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and when I talked to Matt, he 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 kind of ripped me a new one, frankly, uh, uh, concerning faith. Oh, that's so unlike uh, that. That that, <laughs> that that faith was unreliable, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I agree with that. that. True faith. Well, and I argued that true faith is necessary, and he said, well. I, I can't. I don't want to put words I, in his mouth. I don't really. recognize true faith as a concept that has any meaning. Yeah, well, that's what he said, and okay. I guess I've been struggling <laughs> with that. And, well, and uh, I, right, I've, you know, I yeah. So I, I guess my point was is is I I I. I fixated too much on Joseph Smith and on the Book of Mormon, and I did not focus on Jesus Christ. Uh, it wouldn't have made any difference. I can tell you that right well, now. Like, uh, well, you know, I—it's the same Jesus. thing I was calling the la- I was uh-huh. telling the last caller when he was frustrated that he couldn't seem to communicate his atheism properly to a believer. I'll tell you the same uh-huh. thing that that you. That I told him, which is basically from the other side, uh, you're going to be disappointed a lot if you think that there's some special thing that you can say to people that will make them suddenly see the light. I know that Mormonism in particular is full of stories of people who are skeptical, and then you say just the right thing to them, and suddenly they're like, aha, it's all so clear now. But that doesn't really happen in real life all that much. So Yes, what we... That's what we call it, bearing testimony. And, ah, and okay. 
as a convert, I, I look for opportunities to share my testimony. And you're right. Sometimes your words do fall on deaf ears. Right. And I, I think maybe people just, they're not, they're not tuned into the right station, so to speak. They're unable to, to well, feel the spirit like I am. I mean, maybe, but it's also possible that you are basing a bunch of claims on things that aren't really true, and they're not, uh, they're just not buying it. <laughs> well, well, now, have either of you gentlemen read I'm, the Book of Mormon? It, uh, I've, <laughs> I've read some of it, but I'm not going to, I think we've book. had, you know, now that, uh, you've had a couple of calls. Uh, I'd say try again later. <laughs> so, uh, and maybe okay. we'll go deeper into the Book of Mormon next time. Okay. Well. Okay. Right. I'll I'll pray for you. Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll let you know if it works. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> uh, okay. Probably the last caller. We got what seven minutes until yeah. an hour and a half, and then we are all going to go meet at Star of India here in Austin, uh, and we're going to go with um, Cameron. In Pennsylvania. Hey, how you doing? Hey, doing all right. Hey, good here. Uh, so my question, it actually kind of goes with the last call, I guess you could say. Uh, how would you answer a person who is a theist who would say that they know that God exists? So, in other words, they don't just believe that God exists. They actually uh, claim to know that God exists. What would you say? I start asking, like, how they were able to, like, come to that conclusion and listen to what they have to say. And um, with the the few conversations I have that have kind of started in that, that kind of that vein of where, you know, I know God is real and because X, Y, Z, and um, a lot of times when that occurs, I ended up I end up kind of coming back to say, well, you said you know it because of X, Y, Z, but you know this other person has a different belief system and they believe it for X, X, Y, Z. Now, how am I supposed to differentiate who's correct and who's not? Like, what method can I use to determine who's correct in that aspect? Y'all, they both believe just the same. You're both just a strong believer. So how am I supposed to decide which, uh, what method can I use? Right. I I mean, you know, you can say like, I understand that you are very confident in this belief, but your confidence alone doesn't convince me. So what is it that convinced you? So um, I've actually had some uh, experience in that and I've pressed that line of logic, pardon me, that line of logic. Uh, and I've I've also gone in the route of, you know, you're so confident in this. If you look at other religions around the globe, you know, uh, Islam, uh, Hinduism, you can clearly see that people are just, are as, uh, just as confident as you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel as though when I push that, I it doesn't it doesn't help my my case in that it just uh it more pushes people into their camp of, uh, I guess the people I'm talking to uh, would be in Christians, and it would push them more into their camp of, 
I, I guess you could say the most general response I get is, you know, they have their religions, but we have uh, Jesus Christ, and he is uh, obviously more pure than these other religions. And I've, I've kind of had a, a tough time uh, getting past that, because I know that's, uh, pardon my French, it's kind of bullshit, but I, I can't figure a good way to respond to it. Uh, it depends on where the conversation is coming from, because, I, I mean, you may see it as not that productive that they're sort of hunkering down into the defense of their personal religion uh, and saying, oh, well, we have Jesus. Uh, but you'd be surprised at how far you can get just by saying, basically, well, Jesus isn't that convincing to me. I've said this a few times on the show already just today, but uh, if somebody is like, if somebody cares about convincing you, you should make them work for it. (laughs) If they don't care about convincing you, then you may not necessarily have anything to talk about because you could arrive at a point where you're like, where they're like, well, I'm really sure that... uh, Jesus exists and loves me and you're say and you go back at them saying well I'm not sure of that and I don't see any reason to believe that and they say well it's just true and you say okay uh so how about the walking dead <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> because sure. you you can recognize sometimes that conversations aren't going anywhere uh and sometimes it's a win just not to give up ground and get frustrated. But it, it depends. Because if they're really trying to convince you, then you should make it clear that they have to do some work to get you there. And just just repeating, oh, yeah, well, Jesus is true, doesn't cut it for an atheist. And another thing uh, I would say is if they're giving that line of uh, that, uh, I guess I say I would say line of attack, but that type of reasoning to you, uh, then another question to pose is, well, if I have this religion and I give I give the same thing that you just told me about the religion that I believe, how likely is that to convince you that my religion is true and not yours? Like, how convincing would that actually be? Basically trying to uh, let them kind of self-reflect on the evidence that they presented you with and how convincing it really is if it came from another party um, going towards them, you know? Yeah. And if you want to shake a theist out of out of their uh, certainty and this sort of going round and round about yes it is, no it isn't kind of thing, you could always right. be a little flippant, which I do sometimes, uh, and and say something completely off the wall and just match their certainty with equal certainty. Like, well, you know what? I talked to God last week and he told me he doesn't exist. I mean, <laughs> you know, they are making this claim based on nothing. And so it's not unreasonable for you to mirror back what that sounds like to you. Right. I... Uh... I, I do understand what you're saying in that respect, but uh, if I can play devil's advocate on that, wouldn't wouldn't me playing that card also uh, more or less come off as as arrogant? 
Well, you know, that, uh, sure, I but what's more arrogant than... And and believe me, I've been accused of being arrogant. I'm well aware that this is a, that this is a problem. But... Uh, But they're the person that wants to be taken seriously by you. And sometimes it doesn't hurt to telegraph the fact that you don't take them or their position seriously. Because at least if they are stuck saying the same things over and over again, it can get the message across that they're going to have to try something else. And and that'll stop them from wasting your time. Yeah, I understand what they're saying, but that would... uh... That, that would make them uh, perhaps uh, reconsider their position. Yeah, um, and anyway, they're arrogant. Why do you care if they think you're arrogant? Yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> you called me on that one. It, uh, but it, it depends. It depends on what kind of working conversational relationship you want to have with this person. It depends on what kind of outcome you think you can reasonably get out of them. Mm-hmm. And and nobody can just tell you this is the right thing to say. You kind of have to judge the conversation for yourself. Yeah, and if I can, uh, uh, I am uh, uh, talking about my um, parents actually. Um, you know, I'm uh, 21 years old in college, uh, and they've been. You know, I was raised as a Lutheran, uh, so I've been I've been an atheist since probably. Um, 18, uh, I went to like a Christian college and I recognized even probably before I went there that it was incorrect and that they weren't actually teaching, um, real education. But I've been, yeah, as, as my colleague suggests, I've been struggling to tell them what I think and why I think they're wrong. And that has been kind of a, a struggle, but I, I, I think you're right in that. Maybe portraying the same level as a, a, a confidence in their proposals would, would help in that regard. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, if you're having these conversations with your parents, my advice might be a little different, which is uh, sure. uh, <laughs> you might want to consider whether this conversation is not only productive in the sense of people convincing each other, but productive in terms of what kind of relationship you want to keep having with your parents. Because if this comes down to people yelling at each other, sometimes just remaining civil and making some topics off limits is better than trying to win the argument. And and I would say that twice as much if this was somebody you were married to. That's just good marriage (laughs) counseling in general. Yes, I um I think if there's one thing I've learned from the whole situation is that I if I do get married it would be to someone who more or less uh, shares my beliefs with that's me. That's not a bad uh, plan. Yes, that's what I think. Yeah, but uh, we uh we are kind of out of time and should wrap up. So, uh you want to say something quick or Phil, you want to throw throw something out there? Uh no, just like Russell said, that's um it's it's a lot to consider since it's you know, your parents, that's the relationship that you have with them. You know, um, also there's uh, education, you know, funds, if, if it's a relationship on that part. Like how important is it to you to stress that? Because you said that um, uh, you were trying to explain yourself, I guess, your atheism to uh, your parents and, I guess, uh, defend it or challenge right. theirs. But um, do you feel that you have to do so? 
Uh, or uh, is that something that you uh, started or that conversation, uh, I guess this is you dragging out the call a little bit longer, but I was just curious how you, you why you felt that you had to necessarily uh, explain yourself to your parents or have this conversation. Right. Uh, so essentially, um, I... I would say that the the conversation more or less started um, well around. I, I guess I, I would say it coalesced more around I, the. I think the, we're going off in the, a in another direction, and we do have yeah, to wrap up. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know you guys are over time. I don't mean to you know take up more time than I need to. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I think you saying. answered my question more okay. than. Okay. Well, uh, uh, good so, luck to you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for calling. All right, again. And uh, Adam, who was our last CS caller, I'm sorry. We're not going to talk to you tonight. Try again next week. And uh, so thank you, Phil, for being my co-host today. Uh, Nice to see Uh, you again. Yeah, it's been a while, I guess. And uh, (laughs) It's been a a minute since the last time, yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, uh, we'll see you all at Star of India. Thank you, (laughs) audience, for being awesome. (laughs) <laughs> All that good stuff. And uh, right. see you next week on The Atheist Experience. All right. This is Russell Glasser, host of The Atheist Experience. You know, The Atheist Experience is made possible by volunteers and the generous support of viewers like you. If the promotion of positive atheist culture and separation of church and state are values that you hold, please consider contributing by becoming an ACA member or visiting our product page at EvolveFish.com under the Partner tab. Thank you.